0: This is Glenn McQuaid, and this is Larry Fezzenden, and you're listening to Tales from Beyond the Pale, the podcast. Well, greetings, audiophiles. We have been sorting through the Tales from Beyond the Pale archives of late, trying to make sense of misspent hours on the road with our regular band of audio artisans. According to the label here, we've got another double bill recorded in Colorado in 2015 under the title Parlor Tricks. Welcome, listener, to the second Stanley edition of Tales from Beyond the Pale Live. We are here at it again, stepping away from the comfort of the Tales HQ back east, hoofing it out to this mountainous climb, where we find ourselves once again pulling back the curtain and sharing a few tricks of the trade. What is it about the human animal that so desperately wants to converse with the dead? to pierce that membrane between life and whatever comes next. Oh, and what tools we've used to do it, ever inventive, ever desperate for a sign. Tonight, we bring you two tales that delve into the unknown and the unknowable. The first is by Glenn Quaid and April Snellings, entitled Cold Reading.
1: What a night.
2: I did tell you, Ernest, I said there's a nasty storm picking up, but you never listen.
1: I heard you, Doris. I just didn't believe a word of it.
2: The spirits are out in force. I can feel it in my bones.
1: That's your arthritis, dear.
2: Don't be droll. We never make contact when you're in one of your clever moods. Have you noticed that... I have. It looks
1: like we're the only two to make it out. Can't say I blame anyone for staying home tonight.
2: Well, I question their commitment. I wonder where Mr. Edwards is.
1: Probably three sheets to the wind by now. And the man's liver hasn't packed in is one of the great mysteries of the world.
2: Don't be disrespectful, Ernest.
1: Disrespectful? The man blacked out halfway through our last visit.
2: He fell into a trance, Ernest, as mediums do. I really wish you could keep your comments to yourself. A closed mind and an open mouth are a terrible combination.
1: Ah, see, we're not the only ones committable.
2: Excuse me? Pay him no mind, miss. I'm just glad of the company. I am Doris Dwells, and this is my husband, Ernest. And Mr. Edwards... Where is he?
1: We were wondering that ourselves.
2: And you are? Nanette. Here alone, are you?
1: Yes. First timer, then.
2: Yes, yes, I can see that now. I can pick up on these things, you see.
1: Why, you're as nervous as a bird. Nothing to worry about, except your pocket.
2: Don't listen to him, dear. Mr. Edwards is, in my esteemed opinion, the real deal. What happened to your arm? It's... it's nothing. Looks nasty. Cut yourself, did you? Here, let me have a look. I said it's nothing.
1: Leave the woman alone, Doris.
2: Will your husband be joining us tonight? Perhaps you will at that.
1: Don't mind if I do.
2: Don't get yourself drunk, Ernest. It only brings out your clever side. I'm sure it's fun for you, but it's awfully dull for the rest of us.
1: Well, you have your spirits, I have mine. Would you care for a drop, miss? you look like you could use one.
2: No. Thank you. We're regular clients of Mr. Edwards. We come to commune with Mother, you see. She gets upset if we leave it too long between visits.
1: Seems like you talk to her more now she's dead than when she was alive.
2: Do you have children? Yes, you must. You have that protective motherly look about you. I can see that in you, you see. If you don't mind, I'd... I'd rather hold off on any unnecessary chit
3: chat and save my conversation for Mr. Edwards.
1: Save it for Stanley, you mean?
2: Stanley. You mean you don't know? Stanley is Mr. Edwards' preferred method of communication.
1: It's damn queer setup, if you ask me.
2: No one asked you, Ernest.
1: Damn queer. Here he is, the man of the hour. Uh, forgive me for keeping you waiting, but. Well the spirits can be taxing. Taxing is right, they're costing me a fortune.
0: Ernest. Mrs. Dwells, you look like a flame from the point of view of the candle. I do. Evanescence in your radiance fleeting. Perhaps fading, but none the less glowing. Now illuminating until the
1: very last flicker. Told you. Sloshed.
0: Oh, and who do we have here? No don't tell me. Your name is... Uh, Jillian. Nanette. Yeah, well, I shall call you Jillian. You may call me Mr. Edwards Clairvoyant Extraordinaire. Now, uh, what are we all here for? Oh, yes, a, a, a seance, a spook show. Oh, well, shall we begin?
3: Shouldn't we wait for your
1: associate? My associate? She means Stanley.
0: Oh, that's my right-hand man. Where, where would I be without him? The breadline, most probably. I suppose we, we better wake him up. Stanley. There's someone in the cabinet. Hush now, Dillian. Stanley, are you are you awake? I'm awake, Mister Edwards. And oh boy, are their spirits singing tonight?: Yes, yes, indeed they are. And in what unusual key they bellow? We have guests, Stanley, Would you like to come out and meet them? Oh, let me at them. Let me add them. Give one moment Well, hello, everybody.
2: What is this?:
0: Well, this is
2: Stanley.: A dummy? Oh, you mustn't offend Stanley with that word.
0: Oh, that's okay, Doris. Lots of people think I'm a dummy. But they always change their minds quick smart when they see what I can do.
3: You're a ventriloquist, but I came here because I need a medium.
0: And you expected floating cables and gouts of ectoplasm? Mere parlor tricks, smokes and mirrors. But ventriloquism? Well, we prefer the term Gastromancy. From his gut to my mouth, see? It's a notion as old as sin, Jillian.
2: Why, even the Oracle at Delphi was what the unlearned would call a ventriloquist today. You expect me to take this seriously?
0: Only if you want to, Julian.
2: Nanette! My dear, it's one of the oldest forms of phantasmal communications. Mr. Edwards here... And me... And Stanley... Can actually hear the dead. It's quite remarkable. We won't be seeing any ghosts, then?
0: Not usually. Besides, the eye is easy to deceive, but the ear, the ear is another matter. Remember, God was a voice in the dark to Joan of Arc.
3: It's not God that's troubling me.
0: What are we doing here? we having a sash, or we're dancing to Charleston? Oh, indeed. Let's uh, let's, let's be seated. But first, uh, maybe a little tipple. <laughs> now then, uh... Shall we begin?
2: Do we hold hands? Say, what kind
0: of party is this? Just place your hands on the table in front of you.
2: Like this, see?
0: Say, touch. you still look a little busy. Don't be rude to our new friend, Stanley. Well, I'm just saying, maybe we can put our mind at ease. What do you propose? Well, why don't we play a little game? How about it, Nan? You up for a game? I'd rather we just...
3: Get to the heart of the matter.
0: Oh, but I always like to start with a little game, see? It's, it's how I warm up. How about you, Doris? You up for a little fooling around?
2: Oh, you know me, Stanley. I love a good game. What shall we play?
0: I know. You close your eyes and think about something, something nobody else knows. And I'll ask Mother to tell me what it is. A secret? Sure, why not? And not where you hide the sherry. Something you've not told anybody else. Something delicious.
2: Hmm. All right, then. Let me think. Okay, all right. Yes, I'm thinking of something.
0: Something nobody else knows.
2: Yes. Yes, I believe so. Something I've never told another soul.
0: Steady on, Doris. Now, let me think. Uh, okay. Okay, yes. It's coming to me.
2: Oh, this is fun.
0: It's something, uh, about Mother.
2: Am I allowed to say?
0: Something about you and Mother.
2: He's quite right.
0: Something you did to Mother after she died.
2: Oh, my. No. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. We just buried her. That's not a secret. Though it might as well have been as no one came to the funeral... Poor mother.
0: Something you did to her when she was alive and well.
2: Yes. Yes, you're on the right track. Go on. Uh, It was on her deathbed, and she was just uh, about... It
0: it was on her... um, um, You told her something. You told her that you love her.
2: Is she here now? She is, isn't she? I think I can smell her rosewater perfume.
1: Yes, I smell it too. Funny that, eh, Mr. Edwards? Rosewater perfume? Jillian, we have opened your mind to
0: a world previously beyond your comprehension.
3: My mind was never closed. I have no doubt in the afterlife.
0: Or is that a matter of fact?
3: I have proof. Proof beyond all reasonable doubt that death is not the end.
0: I like you, Jillian. I like you very much. Well, I like her, too, but her name is Nanette. I do apologize, Nan. Uh, It's the typical talking. May I call you Nan? Or or Nana? Or Nanook? Or Nanu? Um, Or Denny? Nan, please. There's something troubling you, isn't there, Nanette? Something that seems beyond your control, something you can't... you can't seem to shake off something you'd much rather be rid of yes well close your eyes nanette go on close them we won't bite that's it nanette just keep closed and just take a a nice long breath my pretty (sighs) okay i'm
1: thinking i'm thinking here we go again round the bloody mulberry bush. Shut
0: up, Ernest. Yeah, shut up, Ernest. We're working here. Is there a, a John in your life, Nanette? No. have uh, a uh, 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 Joe, Robert, Bobby, Bob, Dan, Danny, Jerry, Nick, Chris, Ben, Corey, Catherine, uh, Jim, Jimbo, Jiminy, maybe Buzz you. No. Pauline. I think I've wasted my time here. Lester. Lester was your father. It was your uncle. No, your... Your brother? Husband! Oh, is is that right, Nanette? Why... Yes. Oh, well, he's not the nicest guy in the world, was he, Nan? Not the nicest guy in the afterlife, either. How macabre. Well, you're telling me. Lester's got a chip on his shoulder the size of Nantucket. You, you feel this, Mr. Edwards? You feeling the weight of this? It's heavy, ain't it? I'm... I'm scared, Mr. Edwards. It's like another... Oh, double I like... Can I just get another... Uh, a little drinky poo,
2: but I mustn't break the circle,
1: please, please pour it now, woman, yeah, help yourself,
0: oh boy, is he mad at you, nan? He's stuck on you like glue, he's only happy when he's with you, and and even then, well, he ain't that happy, is he? He's grinning now. <laughs> Oh, he's got worms in his teeth and beetles in his eyes.
1: Get rid of him! Man alive, Edwards. You're scaring the women.
0: Are you saying something? Just tell him to go, please! Are you saying...
1: He's... uh, Oh, my God, no. (laughs) Good God, man. Get that damn thing fixed. It's quite literally got a screw loose.
2: Fix me a drink, Ernest. Yes,
1: me too. Here's the bottle. Help yourselves.
3: Does his head often fall off like that?
0: I don't know what got in on. Let me just screw it back on. Okay. Okay. Well, that's better. Now, I'll just have another little table first, and then what got into you, Stanley? Stanley? What's
1: the matter with it now? Talk to us, Stanley.
2: This is a most unusual evening, Mr. Edwards.
0: Come on, Stanley. Don't be rude to our guests.
1: Broken, is it? Might have to dust off the old crystal ball next time, eh, Edwards? That is, if there is the next time. Stanley, are you going to talk to me? Hey, hey you are talking to me, pal?
0: Of course I'm talking to you. What's going on? Are you feeling okay?
2: Never felt better, you... Stanley, please, tell me about Mother. I'm terribly worried about her.
1: Her nerves to be at her again.
2: There's something she's trying to tell me. She's trying to tell you to lose a few pounds, you old heifer. Why, I never.
0: No, and you never will. Not until you shed some of that blubber. Oh, Stanley. Well, shut up, Edwards, you drunk. You good-for-nothing lush. I know your little secret, Doris. I know what happened. I know what you whispered to your mother right as she died.
2: You do? Mother, can you hear me, Mother? I've got something to tell you
0: before you go, Mother.
2: Stanley, please don't say another word. Mother, I can't wait. I can't
0: wait to spit on your grave, you rotten old bitch.
2: Word for word.
0: No wonder the old broad is haunting you. What the hell kind of thing is that to say to your dying mother? You're placid, Edwards. and pushing your fucking luck. Don't talk to him. Talk to me. I'm calling the shots now. He's the dummy, right, Edwards? Uh, uh. You've been very, very naughty, haven't you, Doris?
2: She drove me to it. My whole life she controlled my every decision, my every thought. She burrowed herself into my skull like a worm.
0: Go on.
2: When she became bedridden, I thought I might finally have some modicum of independence. I thought I might get out of the house and perhaps to the library. I love books, you see, but back then they were forbidden to me. And suddenly I felt I might have the freedom to go to the library and read about the outside world. But things only got worse. She became meaner. She demanded that I wait on her hand and foot. She screamed at the top of her voice if I didn't come running. Get your fat cake hole in here. She berated me. Fatty. She ate my soul. Blubber, whale, abortion, whore. (laughs) Whore. Keep it down, Edwards.
0: She's just getting to the good part.
2: It was all I could do not to tear my hair out, so I ran. I ran to the library, and I read until my eyes hurt. These were the happiest hours of my life. I read book after book about how to commit the perfect murder.
1: Don't say another word, Doris.
2: While I ate every imaginable kind of confection Cream slices, bunting, German chocolate, red velvet, and pineapple upside-down cake. Baps, scones, strudels, and bonbons. You name it, I ate it in front of her as I watched her starve to death.
1: You mad old bitch. Doris, we're leaving. Edwards, you're a fucking drunk.
2: Mother? Mother, can you hear me? I'm so sorry, Mother. I, I'm Pipe so sorry. Pipe
1: down.
0: The old broad's dead, not deaf. Besides, she doesn't want your apologies. She wants to tell you something.
2: Mother, w- what do you wish to tell me? I- I'm listening.
0: Garden, spring, pansy, pussy, rose, tulip, bova. I don't understand. V-v-v-violet. Violet?
2: Violet? Our housekeeper? Violet and Ernest
0: here have been having it off behind your back for years. Edwards, you help me God, i Poor, poor Doris. All those lonely nights, sitting at home like a spinster, while Ernest here is out drilling Violet and all the others. Oh, and that's not all. He's even out getting drilled by some of the boys.
2: Ernest? Look
0: at him, the cake eater. He's been off in Pansyland with the boys while you've been at home on your own praying Mother doesn't come to get you. (laughs) Do you know they all laugh at you? They laugh at you, Doris. You're a joke.
1: Ernest? What do you want, money?
0: It's not about what
1: Stanley
0: wants. It's about what Mother wants.
2: What is it, Mother...
0: She wants you to stand up for yourself for once in your goddamn life. We're leaving
1: now. This has gone on long enough.
2: Goodbye, Mother. And
1: thank you. This isn't the last you've heard from me, Edwards. I'll be calling the police. This is, this is blackmail. This is slander. And don't let Mother down, Doris.
0: I'm leaving too. But we haven't gotten to the bottom of what's bothering you, have we? I don't
3: care. You're in the bag, and I want to leave.
0: If you go now, you'll be carrying stones to your grave. The others had the good sense to leave, and I'll. Those two. You want to hear their fortune? Hear what neglected psychotic Doris is going to do to Ernest and herself tonight? You're insane. Oh, let's have a look see. Oh, my goodness. She's going to saw and cut and rip poor old Ernest's pecker off with a very blunt kitchen knife. And then she's going to slice both their throats open from ear to ear. Owie!
3: You've had your fun, Edwards, if that's what you were after. But it ends now.
0: Before you go, please, I got to know. What's with the hickeys all over your body? Only, they ain't love bites, are they? Are they? That bum, that bum, he can't lay off of you, can he? Not even in death. How to start, Nan? Huh? How to come to this?
3: It was little things at first, things I could hide, bruises mostly. He convinced me that I was driving him to it. So I stopped doing all the things that set him off. I stopped seeing my family. I stopped having friends. I stopped going out. Everything that made me me just faded away. I did what he told me to do Spoke when he told me to speak I put up with it because I knew if I left You'll regret it if you ever try to leave He told me I believed him And I think I would have lived the rest of my life like that If it hadn't been for Amelia She changed everything (laughs) She saved me I didn't want children, if I'm being honest, but she came along anyway, and then I wasn't just Lester's plaything anymore. I was a mother. Being a mother, it's its like being reborn. It gave me purpose, a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to live when all I'd been looking for was an excuse to die. Lester never paid much attention to Amelia But the things He did To me No child should grow up Seeing those things done to her mother It was Looking at my situation through her eyes That made me understand I We had to get away from him I planned it for months I saved pennies until they were dimes and dimes until they were dollars. I waited until the middle of summer so we could leave with nothing but the clothes on our backs. I don't know how long it took me to move down the hallway and collect Amelia from her crib. I was so sure Lester was asleep. But I heard him in the creak of every board, felt him every time my arm brushed against the wall as I turned a corner. He haunted that house, even before he died. I crept downstairs with Amelia in my arms. I was terrified she would cry, but she didn't. She was such a good baby. I slipped into the parlor and I stopped for a moment to collect myself and there he was sitting in a chair waiting for me I couldn't see his face in the dark but I knew he was smiling for a moment I I couldn't move I'd never been so afraid in my life Go back to bed, Nanette, he told me. And I was going to do what he said, but then madness and instinct took over. And I clutched my baby and I ran. My fingertips brushed the doorknob, touched freedom. But the next thing I knew, I was on the floor and I was begging him to give her back. I told him I'd do anything he wanted, that I'd never try to leave again if he'd just give her back to me. She was terrified by then. My poor Amelia, screaming herself hoarse. He just laughed. That's the way he was. Terror and pain and desperation. It delighted him. It was a game to him. Careful, Nanette. I might drop her. I might feed her to the dogs. I might throw her into that pot over there, or maybe into the open fire. But then I, I did for Amelia what I could never do for myself. I stood up to him. First I begged him, then I fought him. I clawed at his face, I tore his clothes, I bit him until I tasted blood. But he held her just out of my reach. I told him I'd, I'd kill you if you hurt her. Oh, that was it. Yeah, that's what did it. When I threatened him, he drew back his arm, and he smiled at me. If only you learned to shut your goddamn mouth. Then he... he... held her over the fire. Her gorgeous toes her precious flesh her innocent mind all burned he held me up by my hair as I kicked and screamed I nearly scalped myself trying to get to her but he held on tight finally when he had had enough He let go of the two of us. I crawled through the fire and I pulled her out, but... It was too late. I knew then that I would kill him. The police wouldn't make him suffer. Not the way I would. And so I mourned and I waited with patience I never knew existed. He was careful at first. Wouldn't eat anything I'd cooked. Wouldn't take so much as a sip of water unless he'd drawn it from the tap himself. But he couldn't keep that up forever. And when he finally got careless, I was ready. The first chance I got, I put a sedative in his drink And then... And then I strangled him. I strangled him for three days. I tied a shoelace to a wooden spoon and I twisted it around his neck and I cranked the breath out of him until he almost blacked out. Then I let him breathe. And I started all over again. Hour after hour, day after day. By the time I let him die, he was begging me to finish it. Still, it was a better death than he deserved. I dug a grave in the woods and put the evil bastard where he belonged. In the ground to rot with all the other... crawling, biting things. I thought it was... Guilt at first. I thought it was my imagination. Tapping and scratching at the window all night long, tapping and scratching. Then, just as I began to question my sanity, he called to me. Nan, for God's sake, Nan, let me in. It's dark and it's cold and I'm alone and I am so, so sorry for everything I've done. Please, Nan, forgive me. I sat in that house for days and nights on end, listening to him one apology after another, how he wasn't himself when he hurt me and murdered our child, that he was sick then, but better now. And what do you think I did? Do you think I had the sanity, the wherewithal to say no to him, to be rid of him for good? (laughs) To my everlasting shame... I did not. And for one last time...
0: I forgave him. Say, that's a real sad song you got there.
3: Sick, isn't it? And in all this time... I've never once heard my poor darling Amelia... I don't feel her near me. I just feel him, always him. And I realize now that love doesn't bring people back from the dead. Only hate can do that. I came here as one last ditch effort to finally be rid of him.
0: Shall I? the ways in which you will never be rid of me. Nothing can break our
4: bond.
0: Not the angry demons, those great beasts that drove me to beat on you and kill our child. Not even the great divide. The grave. Our log is stronger than even that. Edward, you're sick! How can you be so cruel? You really think this is Edwards? Let me put your mind at ease. Put me down, Edwards. That's it. Now, pick up the decanter. That's it. What are you doing? No, no, get away from me! Unlock this door! Now, Edwards, I want you to smash that glass decanter into your face. Again. Harder this time. That's the spirit. You thought I was going to hurt you again? Those days are over. I promise.
3: No. 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 This can't be. No. No.
0: Calm down. Calm down. And come over here, my love. Everything is going to be okay. I promise. I mean, geez, look at me. Am I not the definition of a change, man? No, get away from me. Don't be like that, Nan. There's there's someone here who wants to say hello.
4: <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no, no. It's her, Nan. Oh, it's no. really her.
2: <gasps> oh my god. My <laughs> horse. Sweet Amelia.
0: She needs her mother, Nan. Don't be afraid. Come to us, Nan. Now, you pick me up. That's a girl. Now, put me on your lap. Now, just... You slip your hand up inside of me. Ah, well, that's it. See, we belong together. You and me. Say. We belong together. We we belong together. That's right, that's right. One big happy family.
3: One big happy family.
0: And I'll never let you go.
3: You'll never let me go.
0: Together, together forever, forever Forever and and ever, ever.
1: Uh, till the the end end of time,
4: time, you you will will be be mine.
0: Well, to err is human, to forgive divine. Let's hope Lester
4: and Nan found harmony in their act. You have just listened to Cold Reading, written by Glenn McQuaid and April Snellings, directed by Glenn McQuaid, performed live May 1st, 2015, at the Historic Park Theatre as part of the Stanley Film Festival, featuring the voice talents of Barbara Crampton, Martha Harmon-Pardee, Leon Vitali, and Larry Fessenden. Live sound design by Glenn McQuaid, Music by Graeme Resnick and Amelia's Theme by Glenn McQuaid. Live Foley by Chris Gotchtipole and Tessa Price. Live Mix and Tech by Lee Nussbaum. Associate Producer, Rebecca Brown. Special thanks to Landon Zakim and the Stanley Film Festival. Copyright, Tales from Beyond the Pale, 2017. Additional Sound Design, Mix and Mastering by Eric Romery and The Pale Men. Produced by Glenn McQuaid and Larry Fessenden for Glass Eye Picks.
0: A trio of paranormal adventurers revisits the scene of a seance gone horribly wrong a century before and suffer a similar fate. No Signal, by Larry Fessenden, only on Tales from Beyond the Pale, the podcast.